I say that word on purpose because I mean it. That's not just church talk that you're supposed to say. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. Again, my name is Pastor Marcus. I'm the pastor of North Fork Christian Center, the church on the other side of town. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've just been rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord that we live such a life where the pastor on the other side of town would say, hey, would you like to come in and fill in for me while I'm gone? That's awesome. So we love Pastor Sam. Uh, I miss him very much. He's been a great friend to me, and I can't wait for him to come back and hear about all their adventures all rested up and ready to go. So it is my great honor to be with you guys here this morning, and uh, thank you for this time of extended family. You guys are the crazy uh, aunts and uncles on the other side. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so today we're going to be in Ephesians uh, 2, if you want to find your uh, way there. But I'm going to start with uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I'll just read it over you and then we'll pray. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according with the scriptures. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you that we get to gather together as your people. We thank you that you are a good father who loves his children well. We thank you that you found us far from you, but you made a way to adopt us in through the Holy Spirit to add to your family. And this is what we celebrate this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts in places where they have become hard. Give us eyes to see your beauty, your goodness, and your truth. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. So speak your truth to us this morning and let us receive it with glad and anxious hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as we just read, this is like first importance. The gospel. Everything else comes after that. But the first main importance is this gospel preached to us. And it's easy to either get caught up in other things, good things, that squeeze out our time of, main, of focusing on the main thing. Or for some of us, we've been saved for so long, we have forgotten where we came from. We've forgotten what God has saved us from. And we need to be reminded. So this is where we, I wanted to start here this morning in 1 Corinthians, that we are reminded of the gospel. That Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, which was us. We didn't earn our way here. We needed a savior. So I was looking up the, the word saved, and it says, to rescue from harm, danger, or loss. Does that sound like where Jesus found us? Did he rescue us from harm, danger, or loss? This is a promise back in Genesis 3 
that he would send the one that would crush the head of the serpent. Jesus was sent on a rescue mission to rescue us, to save us from harm, danger, or loss. To prevent from dying. To be saved is to prevent from dying, which my brain just goes right to John 10.10. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life, and life more abundantly. Now, I know sometimes when people talk about abundant and life in church, you think of cars and houses and, yeah. No, life hidden in Christ, truly living this abundant life. And the third definition was to set free from the consequences of sin. This is why Jesus came, to set us free from the consequences of our sin. Did we have consequences of our sin? Yes. Is it death, loss, danger, harm? All of these things, this is why Jesus came. We needed a Savior. So I was asked to talk about Jesus this morning, which is good, because that's all I want to talk about. And I wanted to remind us of what he has done. Most of us need to be reminded of the goodness of the gospel. And I don't know everybody in this room, so there might be somebody here who does not know the goodness of the gospel. They don't know their identity, and they're finding it in lesser things. So I just thought this is a great refresher this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. So if Jesus has come to save us, he's come to save us from what? Our guilt. We start guilty. And this is what we need to look at and be reminded of. So Ephesians Chapter 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived by the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let's just go home with that. This is a hard truth, is it not? But this is the truth. And I know growing up, there was a season where I was very aware as a young man of the, the hardness of my heart. It, was, it did not take me long to find my sinful nature. I was very accustomed to my sinful nature. And that put pressure on me to do something about it because I understood how far I was from the Lord. And I remember a moment sitting in youth group on a Wednesday evening at the end. They would ask people to come up for prayer if you, if you need it, if you're struggling, if you're going things, if you need to give it up and go to Jesus, all these things, right? And every week I'd get sweaty because now I got to do something about it and I understand how hard my heart is and I got to go up there and I remember one day going, I'm good. And then all of a sudden like, I can just say I'm good. And then I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's not that bad. That's fine. I'm good. Jesus loves me. And then I just had a whole season where every you know, time the altar came up, I was like, ah, I'm good, Jesus loves me. And I was just like, I'm just going to put this over here. This might be some of you right now. But we have to deal with our sin. This is why I'm very deliberate on these words here. You were dead in your sins and your trespasses and in your sins. 
I didn't say that you're weak, that you were struggling, you just need to try harder, you need to get it together. Dead. He chooses these words on purpose. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. So, so what's sin? Like that, that, That's a, like a churchy word that people say sometimes, right? Sin is separating ourselves from God. Sin is breaking his law and breaking his heart. And usually I have found that we fall one way or the other. Either, you know, we're about the law and we're like, he's breaking his laws, breaking his rules, and we can understand that. And that's all it is. And then there's some of us, it's all relationship, and we're just like, well, he's breaking his heart, and you know, I make him sad. Whatever. It's like, it's law and relationship together. Sin is open rebellion against our creator. We have to see it as that. Otherwise, we give ourselves a pass. It's not that big of a deal. We start comparing. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Well, I'm not as good as this guy, right? And then we're, that's our slave heart working up, trying to be good, trying to be better than the other person, or knowing that I am better than all those other people, so I'm probably fine. Our sin is such a big deal. Jesus had to come and die for it. So we shouldn't pretend like it's just a mistake. It's not eating too many cookies, open rebellion against our creator. We have to see it that way. And sin separated us from the Father. And it separates us from each other. We see this back in Genesis 3, right? They choose to disobey the Father, and now sin separated them. And now they don't trust each other anymore, and sin separated each other. We see this in our lives. And that is where we deserve. Jesus should have left us there. But he didn't. He came to rescue us and to save us when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. So we look at this. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And once you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work and the sons of disobedience. We once walked in this way. We were not being filled by the Spirit. We're not being led by the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit of this world, of this age. Do you guys remember that season of your life? Maybe you're there now and you're keenly aware that I am walking in the nature of this world. That we were sons of disobedience. Now, that is a super awesome biker gang name. I get it. But... Sons of disobedience. This is who we were. This was our identity to our core. We were sons of disobedience. God has given us everything we needed for life and godliness. But yet we choose not to listen. We choose to go another direction. We choose not to walk with the Father, but to walk in the ways of this world. Sometimes we need to be reminded again where he found us when he pulled us up out of the miry clay and set our feet on a rock, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Work of the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and our mind. We were by nature children of wrath. We all once lived. Nobody escapes us. We are sinners by nature and choice. This is where God found us all. All. We look around, grandma, all of us, that guy, yes, all of us. I wasn't pointing at you, but I was pointing at you. We know, right? <laughs> this is where Jesus found us. We needed a rescuer. We needed to be saved. 
So he's telling us these things, like the rest of mankind, all of us. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We walked following the course of this world. We were sons of disobedience. We all lived in the passions of our flesh. We were by nature children of wrath. We need to let this sink in a little bit to be reminded where Jesus found us. And again, if you've been saved for a long time, sometimes you kind of forget. And the problem is, and this is what I did, right? When I gave myself a pass, if I'm just a little bit bad, then Jesus had to just save me a little bit. When I give myself, I was like, ah, I'm not like that guy, right? So he just saved me a little bit. I can't understand the sacrifice that he made unless I understand the reality is that I was dead in my sins by nature, children of wrath. That is where he found me. So if I'm that bad, that means he is that good that he would leave heaven and come down and give his very, give his very life. Now I got your attention. To seek and to save me. I think sometimes when we read these scriptures about Jesus ate and drank with, with sinners and stuff, and we're like, man, I can't. Jesus ate and drank with those dirty sinners. That's, that's so good, Jesus. Why did he eat with me? Not those guys. This guy. I don't understand why he invited me to the table. I don't deserve it. I've done nothing to be brought in. But he has come to seek and to save the lost. That is the good news of the gospel because he doesn't give us what we deserve. But we'll get to that in a second. So we see all of these things. Let's go to, um, if you want to hold your finger there real quick, uh, Romans 3.10. Just for a second. Romans 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. I know this is an encouraging, uplifting message. You're like, man, I'm so glad I'm here today. Yes. But we have to understand what Jesus saved us from. The depths of our sin. All of us together. So he saved us from what? Our guilt. He saved us by what? His grace. Verse one, verses 1 through 3 tells us who we were separated from God. And then verse 4, in two words, everything changes. Probably my favorite two words in my life. Verse 4 says, but God. He would be good and just to leave us there. Wages of sin is death. Wages, that's what you get paid at the end of the week, right? You do your job, you work, and then you get paid wages. The wages of our sin is death. This is what we have earned. At the end of the week, here you go, death. And he should have left us there. 
but God, but God, being rich in mercy. He's not being stingy with mercy. He's not giving just a little bit of mercy. He's not saying, well, I'm just going to move you a little bit closer towards me. I'm just going to get you out of the muck just a little bit. Okay, you're fine. You got it from here. Being rich in mercy. Mercy, we'll talk about here in a minute. We use grace and mercy like kind of interchangeable, like it's the same thing. They're opposite of each other. But they go together. Mercy is when God does not give us what we deserve. He shows us mercy. That brings us to zero. But grace is when he gives us what we don't deserve, and then he's moved us into the goodness of his kingdom. So his grace and his mercy go together. So being rich in mercy, he has to be rich in mercy because we were rich and abundant in sin. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Why does he save us? Why does he bother with us? Why doesn't he just wash their hands with the whole situation, give them what they deserve, that's what they wanted, that's their wages, because of his great love he has for his children. That he has come to seek and to save the lost. That he left his throne and came to earth, lived the perfect life that we could never live, paid the debt that we could not pay in our place for our sins. Why? Because of his great love. He has for us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. While we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Again, your slave heart, if you think, like me, well, if I just try better, if I do better, if I sin less, if I pray more, if I read my Bible more, if it, then maybe I'll be good. Then maybe he'll love me. That's how I grew up most of my life, trying really hard because God's disappointed in me and I'm a dirty sinner and I just do everything wrong. But if I tried harder, if I did more, if I sinned less, then maybe, maybe he would forgive me. Maybe I might squeak in to heaven. Probably not. But my only hope is trying really hard not to be a dirty sinner. That's not what it says. He doesn't wait for us to get all cleaned up. When you get it all together, then come back to me and we'll talk. Then I'll see if I'm going to allow you to be into the kingdom. We'll see if you've earned your way into my family. Now I will adopt you in. Is that what it tells us? No. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive in Christ. He didn't wait for us to get it all together. And then he's like, okay, now we can have a talk. When we were dead in our sins and trespasses, that's when he came after us. Sometimes we think, I get that thought of like drowning in the lake and like, I'm going to die, like throw me a rope. And he's like, okay, here you go. Now I'll let you, no, I was dead on the bottom of the lake, dead, dead. And he came and got me. When I was dead in my sins and trespasses. Why? Because of his great love. And what does he do? His grace and his mercy. When I was dead in my sins and trespasses, by, um, he has made me alive together with Christ. For taking notes, underline that together. In all of chapter one, if you, if you start going through, like I did a few years ago, write out how many times it says, uh, in Christ, in Christ, in the beloved, in Christ, in Christ. He's giving us our identity. This is who you are. In Christ. This isn't how you, you, on your own, working hard. This is who we are in Christ. 
So even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, mercy is when he doesn't give us what we deserve. His grace is when he gives us what we don't deserve because we did not earn it. But by grace, you have been saved. Again, rescue from harm, danger, loss, to prevent from dying, to be set free from the consequences of sin, all because of his grace. And that should fill our hearts with great joy that he has come to save me, that he has rescued me, not because I've earned it or deserved it, but because he is good and kind and generous. He is a good father who loves his children well. And when I was dead in my sins, he came to save me, to rescue me, to make me alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved, verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you see this pattern that just keeps coming here? Is that we are in Christ. We were dead in our sins. He raised us up with him and he seated us with him in heavenly places. He said, this one's mine. You're with me. I've brought you in. When we get to the door, well, why are you here? What'd you do to deserve? Nothing. That guy said I could come. And then he's going to sit me here with him in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. This is where we get our identity. This is why Jesus came. To seek and to save the lost. So often we get our identity from what we've done. Spent most of my life getting my identity from what I've done. And not who I am in Christ because I couldn't understand being in Christ. I just know, well, I'm a liar. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm not trustworthy. All these things, this is who I am. When I talk to people, it's still, I still have these conversations with people now. Well, I'm just an angry person. That's who I am. This is how God made me. Just, I'm just angry. Well, that's who you were. But if you were in Christ, you were a new creature. You're no longer getting your identity from what you've done. You're getting your identity from what Jesus has done for you. I'm no longer dead in my sins and trespasses. I'm alive with Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a son of the Most High God. That is who I am. That is my identity. It's found in Christ, no longer in Marcus and what he does and what he brings to the table. Because what I bring to the table is death. That's it. But Jesus, in his great love, came to save me and to save us. So let's look at our old nature and our new nature. We just went back and forth here. Our old nature is that we were separated from Christ, dead in our sins and trespasses, right? Our new nature is we are united in Christ. This is who we are now. If you've turned from your sins and put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, he has saved you and he's given you a new identity. I used to be dead in my sins, but now I'm alive in Christ. I used to be a son of disobedience, but now I'm an obedient son. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That is who I am now. That is what I've done, but this is who I am. I used to be an object of wrath, but now I'm walking in grace. I used to be walking in my sin, but now I'm together with Christ. So in Christ covers God's wrath. I know lots of times 
you know, as, as we're looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament seems like angry God, and the New Testament's like hippie Jesus, and then we're like, well, how's this go together? He's like calling down fireballs, but like love your enemies, and we're like, uh, I don't know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, so how do these things gel? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is holy. He's not even holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He is just. He cannot be around sin. He is perfect and pure in all ways. He will judge sin for what it is. Open rebellion against the Creator. So he has not changed. So what changed here? Wrath, love. Being found in Christ. God's wrath is still going forward. He is pure and just. The only difference now is the Passover, which was all pointing towards Jesus. Because now when he sees us, if we're in Christ, he sees Jesus. We are in Christ. Galatians says we are hidden together in Christ. Thanks, Galatians. Somebody check that out. Colossians? Thank you so much. That's why I have you up front. It's in the Bible. So his wrath is moving forward. The only thing is different now is that we are in Christ. So he passes over us. Because when he sees us, he sees Jesus. That is identity upgrade for some of you. Because we are still thinking that I am stuck in my dead and my sins and my failures and I'm a liar and blah, 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 blah. So when God sees me, that's what he sees, my failures. If you are in Christ, when God sees you, he sees Jesus. Because you are in Christ. So then we get to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, is this true? Right? I don't follow my heart. My heart's a dirty liar. What is true? Truth is, I am in Christ. So when the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. Not because I'm good and perfect, but because I'm clothed in Christ, right? It's about Jesus, not about me. So when I think about, well, how does the Father see me? Well, how does the Father see the Son? Does the Father love Jesus? The Father care about Jesus? Father excited about what Jesus is doing? All these things, when he sees me, he sees him. So my identity is in Christ, not in what I bring to the table. Because if it's about what we do, we're all in trouble. We are not that impressive. But Jesus, Jesus is. He's come to seek and to, see, to, to, seek and to save the lost. That is us. So we're saved from what? Our guilt. We're saved by what? His grace. And we're saved for what? His glory. It is all about his glory. God is about God and his glory. When we get our eyes on ourselves and what we're doing, what we're bringing and all these things, we're going to no. God is about God. And he saved us wretched sinners for his glory. Look what I can do with that. They did not bring anything to the table besides death. But he can come and save us, rescue us, redeem us, restore us, give us a new identity for his glory and our good. They go together. And we most glorify the Father when we're reflecting him well. Right? Again, Genesis says that we're made in his image and likeness. That doesn't mean that God looks like this. It means we reflect him. You guys look nice this morning? Most of you looked in a mirror before you got here, right? And the mirror, you didn't see you. I'm here. I see a reflection of me. I see my image here shining back to me. 
So when it says that we're made in his image and likeness, we are made to reflect him. And everywhere we go, to everyone we see, they should see Christ through us. Not the dead end that is us, but Christ through us. So when we think about how does the Father treat me, that's how I treat others. That's how I reflect him. That's how I image him well. So the Father is generous to me. I need to be generous to others. The Father forgives me. I need to forgive others. The Father loves me. Even when I was dead in my sins. That means I get to love others who are still dead in their sins. Not just the good ones in the holy huddle. Everybody, because he came to seek and to save me. So when we think about how does the Father, what do I think of the Father? How does he act? How does he behave? Well, that's how I need to act. That's how I need to behave. I need to reflect him well. So one of the things my mom used to say to me every time I left the house, and it made me so angry as a uh, teenage boy who had all the answers, is she would always tell me every time I left the house, last thing she would say is, don't forget who you are. And that was so dumb, and it made me so frustrated. I don't want to forget who I am. I'm so stupid. I don't know why you say it all the time. And it got me so frustrated as, you know, a 15-year-old with it all together. And then about 30, one day I went, oh, that's what she meant. I get it. You know why it made me so angry? Because I knew I was not acting like who I am. When I left the house, I was not acting like I belonged to my father. And I tell my kids now, everywhere you go, we'll have a talk afterwards, right there and there right now. Everywhere you go, you have my name on you. You belong to me. So you need to act like you belong to me. You are my son. You are my daughter. So you will behave in such a way because you are carrying my name everywhere you go. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's saved us, redeemed us, and we're clothed in Christ. And now he has sent us out to carry his name, to image, and to reflect him well to everybody around us. This is our identity now. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake. He didn't do it for him. He didn't need it. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, the perfect one, the one who hadn't done anything wrong, Jesus, leaving heaven in our place. He made him to be sin, to take our sin, so that in him, not in us, right? Not about following all the rules and regulations and being a really good Christian, but that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So this is my identity now. I am the righteousness of God. I'm no longer my sins and my failures. I am the righteousness of God. But again, not because of anything I did, but because of his grace and his mercy towards me. So then we can start seeing ourselves this way. We can start seeing each other this way. So when we sin against each other, as we will, sorry, spoiler alert, we will still sin against each other. But now we can choose to see each other the way Christ sees us. That is not who they are. That's just what they did. That's not their identity. If they say their identity is in Christ, that's just what they did. That's the same thing for us. That's not who I am. That's just what I did. Sometimes I forget. and I, My old nature creeps back up. I forget who I am. 
get amnesia for a moment and I fall into my old nature. Then the enemy comes in and starts reminding me of all the ways that I failed and let God down and, and all these things. And I start making agreements with the enemy. You're right. You're right. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I know better. I don't even know why. I get, oh. Right? That three in the morning voice on a, on a loop. Anybody else besides me? I'm like, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I start making agreements with the enemy on who I am. Because I'm not taking that thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. I'm being led by my emotions and my thought and my hearts. Hearts. Dual hearts. Right? I'm allowing the enemy. And when I talk to people that are in those seasons, what's helpful to me is I, I, I think about this being a person. Somebody say, Dave Jones. I know I can't hurt your feelings. So if Dave Jones and I were sitting down having some coffee and he goes, Marcus, man, you, you really messed that up on Sunday, man. I don't know why you were up there. You really have no business opening the Bible at all. And uh, what's up with that beard? That's weird. And uh, you need to lose some weight. And, uh, you know, get right, right. And I'm sitting here, I wouldn't be like, Dave, you're right. Dave, you're right. You know, maybe for a few minutes, how long would you listen to that before you're like, I'm out. Thank you so much. Don't need that in my life. Don't call me anymore. We're good, right? I don't need that. So if it was a person sitting here, Telling, sometimes, some of us takes a little bit longer. We listen to that person longer than we should, and we give them too much space in our heart, right? We're making light of this, but we know this is true. But if somebody was just sitting here telling me all the ways I've done everything wrong and all the ways that I've failed and all the ways that I'm... Eventually, I'd be like, I'm not listening to you anymore. But how often do we spend letting the enemy just... Tell us who we are and how we have failed and how we've let God down and reminding us of our past, dead in our sins, children of wrath, all of that. That's why he tells us, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, that rolls through, take it captive. Look at, okay. Is this true? If it's true, then repent and change back. Well, this is true. This is an area I, I, I need to work. I need to do. This isn't good. Yes. If it's not true, throw it away because it's not true. My identity is in Christ. I'm found in Christ. This is who I am. That's just what I did, but it's not who I am. And then we can see each other this way. This is what they did, but it's not who they are. And then we can start practicing that grace and mercy that we so freely receive for ourselves. We can start using for other people. Verse 8. We are saved by his grace for his glory. Verse 7, sorry. So that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You have more words to underline there, right? In Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us his immeasurable riches of his grace. Again, not a little bit of grace. Not just getting you by. His immeasurable riches of his grace. I need that much grace. But to know that we have a good father that has that much grace for me. His immeasurable grace. 
and kindness towards us. I stopped here the other day. The immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. His loving kindness towards us. I don't understand that. I know who I was. I know who I am outside of Christ. His loving kindness towards us, his immeasurable riches, his grace and his mercy is towards you. He doesn't give us what we deserve. It's rich in grace and mercy, and that is towards you. I don't understand that. But that is how good our Father is. Scripture tells us that don't we know that it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance? Again, repentance was such a hard, dirty word growing up because that just means that I'm failed and I got to go back and I got to repent. I got to say I'm sorry because I've let everybody down and I've sinned and I'm all these things. And that's why I pushed away on it because I have to deal with my heart. But don't you know that it's this loving kindness that leads us to repentance? Repentance is a gift given to his people. That he doesn't just keep on letting us go our, our direction towards death, being led by sons of disobedience, right? But that he loves us enough that he would call us home, that we get to turn around, that we get to repent. Again, repentance does not mean say you're sorry. Sometimes we just think that in your heart, just tell God you're sorry and you repent, right? We're, we're taught this as little children. You sin against somebody, say you're sorry, hug it out. But if we just keep on going in that direction, men, on every road trip, you're going the wrong direction, you miss your turn, and you're like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Like, you're still going the wrong way. You can sorry it all you want. Your sorry's broken. At some point, we need to turn around. We need to repent. We need to go back to the Father. We were walking in the ways of the world, but his loving kindness leads us to repentance. He's calling us back to him. He's calling us back home. His loving kindness. This goes back to my favorite attribute of God, his steadfast love. His said, his unbreaking, unchanging, always and forever love for his people. We like sheep have all gone astray. And he's the good shepherd going, no, 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 no. Come back, come back, come back. Right? Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. I always thought growing up, that means like he's whacking me, getting me like in, in hey, hey, hey. I've never been comforted by a stick that way. But he's like, there's a cliff, there's a wolf. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, okay. Well, I'm comforted because I know that you see me and you love me and you're protecting me and you're guiding me and you're with me. This is how he loves us. His loving kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Again, faith is one of those churchy words. Hopefully I'm not stepping on too many toes, but I'm going to leave after this, so that's fine. <laughs> I think so often we think of faith as like a wish. Like, I hope. I have faith. I hope. That's so flimsy. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance, evidence. These are things we can hold on to. This is true. I'm not hoping it works out. I don't just have faith that I believe that things are going to happen the way I want it to. I know I've been saved through grace by faith. 
Not like, I hope I make it. Like I grew up. This is what his word says. This is what I put my faith and my trust in. The hope that God has given me. This is not your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Again, your slave heart that just says, try harder, be better, do good, then maybe if you bring all of your good works and you put it between a, before a holy, holy, holy God, like if that's what you're putting your hope in, good luck. You bring nothing to the table but death and destruction. All your good works before a holy God. He is the standard. So if we're just trying harder, be better, you're dead already. But you know that he has saved us through his grace and his mercy, that we are in Christ. That we are the righteousness of God. Righteousness means right standing. The only way I can stand before a holy, holy God is that he has given me his righteousness. Because my self-righteousness, I'm dead. This is what I bring. No, this is what Jesus has brought for me. This is what he has sent us to. It is not your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. So if we're just thinking of it in the way, well, I made a good choice, so you need to make a good choice. Then everybody is below us. You just need to be good like me. We look at everybody who's still lost, dead in their sins and trespasses and go, come on, man, get it together. Jesus, what's the problem? Just choose Jesus like I chose Jesus. And it's fine. Just be good like me. And then we dismiss everybody. We're still dead in their sins and trespasses. We're not bringing them the good news of the gospel. We're bringing them do better. That's not going to help. We need Jesus. We can't boast about our salvation. Not a result of work so that no one will boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You see this coming again? For good works. Now, if we read over that, sometimes some of us says we're created in Christ Jesus by good works. By and for, oh, they are so close and couldn't be any further. Because if we think we're saved by our good works, then our slave heart is just working and trying and growing. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. That means in this identity upgrade that he has given us, that I'm a son no longer a slave to sin. I am a son of the Most High God. That means I'm now working from my position as opposed to working for my position. I spent most of my life working for my position, trying to get the job. Maybe you'll love me. Maybe you'll save me. Maybe you'll redeem me. Maybe you'll forgive me if I try really hard. I'm no longer working for a position, but now I'm working from my position because you have saved me, because you have forgiven me, because you have done all these things, now I can go out because I am in Christ. I'm no longer in Marcus. So this is what he's called us to, identity upgrade. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This takes the pressure off of you, too. You don't need to come up with a good thought or a good idea. What am I supposed to do? No, I already, I already prepared all your works beforehand. I got it all set up for you. Now I'm going to place you in places and, and, and with people and give you opportunities, and the Holy Spirit is going to go. I've already prepared their hearts. I've done all the things for you. Now you get to be my witnesses. Now you get to reflect me well. 
Not because of your good works and you have all the right answers and you memorize the speech, but because the Holy Spirit is going before you. I've already prepared these works for you. Just go, open your mouth, trust me, share about my goodness. Right? Revelation says that we've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb, Jesus already took care of that. We don't have to worry about it. And the word of our testimony, this is how we overcome. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is who I am in Christ. This is what he has come to do for you. And allow the Holy Spirit to work on hearts. He's already prepared all these things beforehand. It's not about us working and doing it right. It's about being as available. He does not need you. Sorry to tell you. He doesn't need you. But he allows us to participate in what he's doing. And that is beautiful. That he has sent us out for good works. That he is prepared. So, Dr. Jones last week mentioned John 15, 8. By this, my Father is glorified. Right? All things are for his glory and our good. How do we glorify the Father? Well, he tells us, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Well, what's the fruit that we're to bear? Talked about last week. More people. Think about what is the treasure of God's heart? His people. What's the only thing that's going to last forever? I don't know if you guys read the end, but it all burns. What's the only thing? I know, I'm sorry, mountain folks. What's the only thing that's going to last forever? His people. What's the fruit that we're supposed to go and bear? His people. That we share the good news of the gospel. This is why we're reminded this is of first importance. Our guilt, his grace for his glory. And he has sent us on this side of the mountain now in this season that we would shed light in dark places. That we would tell everyone, everywhere about the goodness of the Savior that came to seek and to save the lost. We tell him, this is what he has done for me. This is what he will do for you. Turn from your sin and put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. This is the most simple layout of the gospel that I see in scripture, Ephesians 2. Dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, according to his grace and mercy, go and do the good works that I have created for you to do. So this is what I wanted to encourage you guys with. Maybe you have forgotten where God found you from and you feel like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's his grace and his mercy alone on your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and somebody brought you and you don't know about this Jesus yet. And you're trying and you're struggling and doing these things. His grace and his mercy is for us. And he has called us to go out, to represent him well, to tell everyone about this Jesus. So if you're here and you don't know this Jesus, or if you're here and you're struggling in your old nature, that voice of the enemy working in your mind, and you want prayer in a few minutes, there's going to be brothers and sisters up here that will pray for you. Please do not leave without getting prayer. If you have questions about this Jesus, please come ask. Brothers and sisters want to pray for you, want to encourage you. We're in this together. We have a good father who loves his children well. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your steadfast love towards us. I thank you that you're a good father who loves his children well. 
I thank you for this family that you've brought together here this morning. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that changes hearts, takes hearts of stone, give them heart of flesh. I ask, Father, that your voice will be the loudest voice in your people's ears. That you would give us ears to hear the voice of our good shepherd and we would respond in repentance. I bless my brothers and sisters as we get ready to head out to our homes and our families and our jobs and whatever area that you have placed us in in this season now. That you would slow us down long enough to see those who are hurting and broken around us. Those who are still far away from you, still dead in their sins and trespasses. That you would give us eyes to see. And then you would give us courage to speak the good news of the gospel. That you have come to seek and to save the lost. I pray for anybody here this morning that has been listening to the lies of the enemy for too long, that you would draw them to yourself this morning, that you would take every thought captive and make it obedient to you. You are the only one who can say who we are because you are our creator. So speak to us. I thank you, Father. I thank you for this morning. I pray that your grace and your peace will be with us all. In your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close with the doxology this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You are sent. I wrote hey, that down. I wanted to say that part. Down.